What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Baby, Watching golf as we record this pod. Uh, just picking up some tips. Although I heard, I heard uh, from a member of the uh, gallery that Middlecoff got his golf swag back this week. Attempting to, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a long YouTube-led process. I, as I told my little brother yesterday, I spent a lot of time on uh, YouTube lessons. Yep. You, YouTubing the pros. I implemented something Gary Woodland does on his stinger because you think the stinger, put in the back of your stance, wait forward. No. Gary Woodland, taught by Butch Harmon, weight down. Kind of like, you know, second baseman. They tell you to, you know, yeah. keep your weight down, get into an athletic stance. It's kind of what he does. You sink down, and it works. Whoop! Little low stinger. Yeah. Good. I got the I mean, two iron. I, I, I don't got, know how people learned without YouTube. I got the two iron if you ever want to. Well, I did. Uh, Butch Harmon helped me a lot this week. Something I read uh, that Butch wrote um, on Wednesday after you I had bu- you know really Butch's good round Monday, a- awful round Wednesday. Butch's dad was an instructor or a golfer? F- famous golfer, yeah. Like oh. back in like the Bobby Jones, like 40, 50s era. That, and then he just, I don't think, was good enough, so he became a teacher. Wow. But you notice the golf courses are fucking packed right now? I mean, slammed. Uh, so I've played Presidio Golf Course twice this week in San Francisco. It's it's Now, I've played it like, I played at 720, and then I played at 8. Uh, so it seemed it's been fine. Like it's been moving. If you try to get a tee time for me anywhere in the East Bay at like 11 on, it's slammed. I mean, just jam people are out and about. Oh yeah. I mean, I would say it's full. It's definitely full. Yeah. I'm saying it's slow people everywhere. Every tee time taken. Yeah. I guess what my hangup was, it is full. It doesn't feel any it doesn't feel slow to me but it is hard to get a tea it's hard to get a tea time just a lot of people working from home 
That's right. You know, I play with two guys Monday um, who, yes, one of them was off. Actually, both of them were off, but one of it was a Monday morning, John. Monday morning. How is he off? Guys who like have, have been have working. Go... One guy does work from home and still took the day off, but was getting like texts and phone calls yeah. on like his watch that he was ignoring while we were playing. That's one thing. My mom has an Apple Watch. Do you have an Apple Watch? No. Like, listen, I, I, I love to text message, and I text message a lot. I, I, I would set my watch and my phone. I, I'm, uh, what do they say, separate church and state? Like, I, yeah. I don't do phone calls and text message to my, to my watch. To my body. No siree. Yeah, I'm with you. It's the one thing I, I thought, because it does feel like we're headed there. We're like, maybe we'll all do it at some point in time, right? Where it'll just be like... I got no issue with an Apple Watch. I just don't think I would have the text message setting turned on. Yeah, I'm with you. Because you, you text my phone, not my watch. Put it over there. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that enough. Need to get better at that. The one thing I've started doing is putting the AirPod in, turning the volume on the phone on so it rings in my, like, bing, in my ear if there's a text. And then I'm not always yeah. like, because I usually have the phone on silent. But this is, I guess, this is what we're starting the podcast with today. Uh, we actually have things to talk about, but I'm with you. I wouldn't want that while I'm playing. No, I, well, guy, I wouldn't want that while I'm living, like playing, living, eating. My watch is my watch. I always think about it when I'm watching like a game or TV and you see like news anchors wearing them now. Like what if you get some weird, someone sends you nudes while you're reading the news, nudes on the news. Well, weird. one thing I realized a long time ago is being in like a press box. I haven't been in a press box in years. But when you bring up Instagram and you realize half your followers are basically just bending over and showing ass, and you're like, I probably shouldn't scroll through this right no, now. They're, fitness, I, they're some, fitness coaches. Sometimes I think about this too, not during the last three months, but back in normal times when you're like waiting in line for a cheeseburger or a sandwich or whatever, and you're scrolling and you realize, I don't know if I should be looking at this right now when the mom of three is standing right behind me. Yeah, with her kid. With her kid, yeah. He might want to check it out, though. By the way, since we're talking about uh, looking good on Instagram, shout out to the uh, sales folks. Heard from one with the Niners, heard from one with the Warriors who just listened to the podcast and and enjoyed our, our discussion about Manscaped the other day. And shout out to Manscaped who listened to the yep. segment. They said um, they were dying laughing. They are back on the podcast right. for the next four months. So uh, manscaped.com promo code ham. We're coming for you, Guido and Jed. We're going head-to-head with the Niners on this one and pop up. Did you see that the NFL is allowing teams, no fans at the moment, I guess, they're going to tarp off the lower bowl and it's just going to be ads? Uh, Was that the same thing I saw, like the top eight, like the low eight rows, or is it the whole? Maybe it was the eight rows, but why? I why wouldn't you tarp off the majority of the lower bowl if you're all going to be – if no one's going to be sitting I'm there? guessing they looked at, like, what a TV broadcast usually looks like, how where high is the camera usually, and said, gotcha. okay, that's where we'll put our ads. Yeah. I asked the Niners how much, shot a text to someone that would know, mm-hmm. uh, CC Al Guido, and I said, what, what would it cost? And he just sent LOL. Basically, like, I, they're going to take care of the people that have already spent money. You're talking about for Haberman and Middlecoff to advertise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, I kind of like, uh, you know, just really start changing the game, guy. We're headed into the 2020s. 
you're going to see more and more, I think, just get ready for podcast ads. They're, they're coming. Yeah. Uh, podcast is the new radio. Uh, actually, that let me rephrase. Kind of the new TV, I think, because radio was once the most important medium. Then TV became that, and now I think it's kind of changing. Streaming slash, you know, audio would be considered that too, right? Just streaming in general. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think video is going to be hard to reply. Like, I don't think the video aspect. Of, it's almost like podcast yeah. is. Yeah, I would say it's the new radio. I think that's fair. Well, I mean, we're literally, remember when we first got into radio, it's like, oh, maybe we can get, you know, KNBR and Gary Radnich. They were simulcast on the Comcast. And we're like, we want to do that too. And then we tried to do Facebook and we realized we were way ahead of our curve, way ahead of the curve. Now we are literally. Well, we got shut record. down, remember? Yeah, they got mad, even though it was they like, got mad at us. Like, take it off. That's, you're sharing the content for free. It's like. I'm telling you, this moron. is the future. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to put win. ads up in the background. You, could, no, one, right. no one will know. Do you then, know what they do now? Then Facebook flipped the image, remember? Then they flipped, but I think they do that now. But the point is, like, we are, it's kind of all in one. I mean, we do, we now stream, I guess not live stream, but post the show on YouTube and definitely clips from the show on YouTube. So the video aspect of it, it's all... It's all kind of one, like, it's all encompassed now, I feel. Yeah. Yep. Under one umbrella, kind of, which is cool for us. I mean, it's where we'll adapt to whatever. Well, I would say even the last three, four months, right, when we first started doing YouTube, a lot of people listening asked us, are you guys, is the YouTube going to be the same as the podcast? Is it going to be different? And we're like, we don't really know. And I think when we first started, YouTube was, when we first started two months ago, three months ago, it was fully... It was different stuff, and now we're putting clips from the podcast on the YouTube channel. Um, the more places you can have your stuff, the better. Now, how do you monetize every little bit? Like, for example, I saw today, Thursday, the day we're recording this, that one of the, uh, like a Clemson football blog picked up something that David Shaw said on our podcast about Deshaun Watson. Whenever, you know, what was that, three weeks ago? It might have been two. It wasn't that long ago. It feels kind of feels like forever. But the pit, the piece they picked up was the clip you tweeted on Twitter, right? Well, yeah. we don't. Which get, the which I just ripped the video from YouTube. So here's the argument, right? Are you better off putting a clip on Twitter that you won't monetize, like YouTube? We monetize. Are you better off putting a clip on Twitter? Now, all the Clemson people that are going to see that clip are not going to see the YouTube clip. Those would be Twitter clips that are not monetized in the way YouTube monetizes. Or do you say, you know what? So what? Those are people seeing this clip that otherwise were not going to see the clip anyway, which was kind of our philosophy when we tried to stream our radio show back in the day. Just, just give it out, and hopefully it'll all lead back to making money in some way. Right? That's the end game here. My, my takeaway, I hadn't, hadn't thought about it until you brought it up, and I, I didn't even, it, I didn't click on the link that you had forwarded me that I knew when you said that clearly someone had picked it up. SI, I didn't know it was like, I guess now, you know, Grant Cohn's part of this. Yeah. SI exactly. is basically just becoming SB Nation, like a bunch of individual kind of blogger writers for individual spots, which is smart. Like, I'm not one of those media people holding on to 1990. Like, that's the way fucking people consume things now. It is what it is. It doesn't bother me at all. Like I'm, you could pick up our shit in any form or fashion. We I, actually we send it to people. Time. We would love yeah, to. Yeah, I, I, I got no issue. 
Now, if we if we were running instead of a million dollar operation, a hundred million dollar operation, and we had thirty five employees, and or you were Disney, I do get it. But in my where we sit right now, I'm speaking for you too. You, unless you disagree, I don't care at all. If you got to pick it up on a tweet, if you want to pick it up on the link, you do whatever you got to do. Write our name. Cool with me. Yeah. No, we agree. Spread the word. And I, you could even push back that I think some bigger companies make sometimes too big a deal out of that. Like, what are you really losing out on? You know, it's like sometimes you got to think bigger picture. Like, we, again, not to toot our own horn, we streamed a radio show for two hours on Facebook. And it numbers tad inflated, I think, because at one the point in time we it was doing was, like 200,000. Yeah, yeah. It was like 51,000 people a minute are watching this. Facebook changed yeah, that it was a issue. Little, it, was a little, it was a little outrageous. And we're talking five years ago, that was probably, right? We got in trouble. I, I definitely got in trouble because I remember arguing with him. Yeah. I don't really I've, remember I've the more, conversation I've had more beyond. Per- yeah, I, just, I remember it, it didn't go away because I was in trouble for other things. I've, just, I've had more productive conversations with uh, my mom's dog than, than those. We'll just go in circles and be like, is this the, what are we doing here? And now, five, you know, four years later... We laugh about it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Because we were right. uh, Hey, this podcast brought to you not today by Manscaped, but again, one day again soon. So thanks, Manscaped. Hashtag next week. By the way, as as our listener who is uh, in the Niners uh, sales staff told me, uh, I said, God, you're about to get some – I don't want to give away the comment but because it kind of – the point is he said everybody – in the organization is getting lawnmower 3.0s now. So I guess if you're looking for a partner, uh, the 49ers sales staff might be the best groomed partner in uh, all the sports. But just use promo code HAM. Tell the Niners we love you, but we just love HAM more. Or if you hate yeah, the Niners, you, use promo code HAM out of spite. Stick it to them. Yeah, I mean, they got enough money. Here's the reality. Use promo code HAM. Too, we were talking about this. What's funny is part of Manscaped's pitch and they're good about this is not being politically correct in the sense of like they, they want you to be hey shave your balls talk about it I, I think when you open up their package there's a thing that basically says yeah. like the number one groomer for your balls it's just always kind of been taboo to talk about these things literally though for the last 20 years I, I know in our generation people have been trimming maybe they didn't trim for a long period of time but they had been trimming really with more I'd say head specific stuff right like trimmers that you would get when you went to the 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 barber right. and I, I i've been beating the drum for manscape forever like yeah it's funny because you talk about like i'm someone that i have no hair on my head but i got so much hair down there and all over my body it doesn't really and i'm like ass and my back it doesn't make sense but their product guy is legit you know the lawnmower 3.0 is really good i used it i think like four days ago love it Thank you, John Lund. This is the reason that I can, they're part of our product. Well, actually, I texted Greg Papa and I said, I hope, I hope that Manscaped is sponsoring scoring drives. Not, I didn't say it so much for the, uh, the scoring drive joke, like score, <laughs> but more so just because I want to hear Greg, right, in Greg's voice, do a Manscaped read. I'm guessing they probably won't say balls in those live reads on radio, but on the Niner broadcast, maybe they will. But that's part of what makes this entertaining. You nailed it, right, is that, here is 
I, I think Greg. I think Greg will tote the line. Maybe no, no Greg will. Yeah, no, no, Greg will take great joy in doing this because he thought it was pretty funny. He's like, I'm going to steal that line. But part of it is like, it's one thing for podcasts to say the word balls and do a hair a, a, a hair trimming ad. It's like, oh, podcast, you you guys are scrapping for everything. The NFL is the top of the food chain. They get to pick, yeah. right? They get to pick between which which major beer company do they want to be. Which one will have the right to advertise with us? Will it be Pepsi or Coca-Cola? Which one will have will get the honor of giving us their money, right? And so here they are going, we get the pick of the litter, and now we're picking this, right? So And, th- and that is kind of a change in what the big, powerful entities have done. So that's, that's, I, part, I, that's part of what makes this a funny topic is, like, they usually – you don't ever see things that aren't just, like, widely accepted, totally mainstream – easy to just identify right it's rare that you're like what is that product exactly like it happens now sometimes like i remember when the warriors added like rakuten was their big sponsor i was like what is i don't even know what that is or how to say it i gotta google this or espn for a while was doing ads last year on baseball for doosan which is like apparent you know it's like a uh it's like a it's it's uh, um do it's like equipment for um you know, major uh, construction jobs. Yeah. Like, what is that? That's not like a regular, like you're used to just basic consumer products being the things that advertise. Well, this is a basic consumer product. It's just not in a category that's ever advertised before on a major sports team or company yeah. in general. Well, I think what's smart about Manscaped is they're going to actual people that influence. Sometimes when I watch MLB Network, kind of like the baseball stuff, they have some weird, like an accounting firm uh, Resnick sponsored a lot of stuff on Cole baseball, Resnick, and you yeah. Just, yeah, you just, just know, realize, I know it, like, it's working because I know it from the thing. But yeah, but there, but part of it is I don't think there are options of just some of these major companies realized. Yeah, I don't need to pay your premiums because I can get more people that watch for fucking Abram Milkoff. Like the games just changed. Luckily, we were benefiting. All right, podcast today brought to you by uh, mybookie.ag promo code ham one. Yep. On a cold streak, John, bet on a tie today in soccer between uh, Hartford. Or I don't, I, Wat- I don't know how you gamble on things you don't know. Watford, John, Watford. And uh, it was a tie game until the 72nd minute when it got untied, and that was that. So mybookie.ag promo code ham one has given me a lot of enjoyment the last week and a half. Well, one thing we got out that just recently got uh, put up, over-unders for baseball. You know, it's, it's definitely unique this year. One number I already love, yeah. Giants 25, I'd hammer the under. under. I mean, I'd I I mean, I, I I'd be shocked, Guy, if they win more than 19 games. The division is really hard. They're going to play the A's six times. They're going to, I think, play the Angels six times. Uh, the, the Giants. Mariners are bad. The Mariners stink. But I, we, I haven't seen the schedule in terms of you don't play all the teams in the AL West. So maybe, I guess, the Mariners could be their third team just logistically. But still, what's that mean? They split it three and three. You know, it's just I. I, I like I, that bet, John. The, the Giants under it, it, some of these overs for like the Yankees and Dodgers. That'd be you got to be pretty, I, I think, bold to take an over this year, just because there's so much unknown. The season's weird. They, they get the layoff, but I think bad teams will just be bad, and the Giants divisionally are the worst team talent wise. Not even close. I mean, I guy, I think they're. Probably one of the worst Giants team on paper. Probably the last thirty years. I'm on. Uh, uh, let me 
get in my bookie here. I'm, I'm going to go find those, actually, because I like that one. Uh, MyBookie.ag, promo code is HAM, and the number one, just the numeral one, when you use that promo code, if you accept the bonus, MyBookie will match your first deposit 50%, which means if you put in 100 bucks, they'll put in 50 bucks. Oh, we're not even doing the ad now. Well, I guess we're doing the ad now. Uh, they'll match that deposit 50%. You can also decline the bonus because you have to bet the bonus if you accept it. Um, but there's also the big UFC. What is that, like two weeks away now? Three weeks yeah, away? Yeah, Fight Island. Fight Island, yeah. Can I can I really quick give you a team, a sleeper team that I like to win the World Series? The Minnesota Twins at 18 to 1. Oh. They add Josh Donaldson. They were good last year. That division stinks. The NL Central, who they will also play a couple times, beside the Cubs, isn't that great. Uh just keep an eye on the Minnesota Twins. That's 18 Reds, to 1. Reds, obviously the Reds might not be bad. The Yankees, Sneaky. Dodgers, huge favorites to win the whole thing at about a little over three to one. Astros, seven to one. Who knows? Could be weird. Braves, 15 to one. Cards, 22 to one. Nationals, Twins, 18 to one. Nationals, I mean, they lost Rendon, but they'll still be good. So, yeah, I, 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 I like the Twins as my sleeper. Mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Um, that's where you can find us. So, yes. <laughs> Get on it. Get on it. All right. We, we said we we're going to do this, and so let's do it. Uh, we also would love for you guys to go uh, review the podcast. Hit us with a five-star review. I'm not even going to lie. That's what we we're asking for, five stars. And uh, we definitely appreciate it. If you're listening to this podcast, please go review the pod. And in the review, ask a question, any random mailbag question you like, like Bubble Boy. Here's what Bubble Boy. Thanks for the five stars, Bubble Boy. Uh, this is what he asked. Question. What would you do if year 2021 is like the baseball season this year? Instead of getting 12 months, we only get seven months of the year. Which months would you want? Thanks and love the pot. Really quick. Yeah. Math a little off. 60 out of 162 is 37%. Seven out of 12 is like 58%, right? But we'll go with You want to shorten it? No, okay. I'm good with seven. All right. So we get an abbreviate 2021. They just, we lose five months. We just, we yeah. have a seven months year. Which seven months would you like? Would you want? This one to me is easy to start. Like to me, you just start with what's the favorite part of the year. You got to build it around there. For me, it's like September, October. Do you agree? What would you say? From, you- from a sports fan watching or from a living? Because I'd say the best months for us professionally by far it's the fall I just I think most humans you got NFL football you got college football you got baseball games that matter that's all I'm I'm set there and you got golf tournaments right I personally though love the summer like to golf like the sun like to swim a little I just I I like I'm happier when the sun's out okay I like the heat but I I found a compromise July 4th 7-4 right so I, I get six months of the year all the way through December. I get the entire football season, and then I get the month of January. Now, I wouldn't have to call Raj and say, listen, could we throw it back to like 2001 and cut out the two-week build-up process for the Super Bowl? Because I, I, I wouldn't want to take in the entire season, the NFL playoffs, and then fucking not see the Super Bowl. Yeah, right? I, yeah. I, I'd want the Super Bowl. No doubt. See, my, well, really, I would say... If it wasn't, I, I missed the I missed the Masters. If it wasn't for that's true, 
Not this year, though. It fits. We can carry it over. We can change it now. It's yeah, in. could we adapt? <laughs> if it wasn't for the World Series, uh, excuse me, if it wasn't for the Super Bowl and the National Championship game, to me it'd be easy. We'd be able to kill both birds with one stone, which is just give me June to December, right? Those, those seven months. Yeah. Don't give me – I don't need January. I certainly don't need February, April, May. Just Can I get me, a hot take? I, I think June's a little overrated. I like July and August way more. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying if you're going to take seven – so, oh, you're saying go July to January? And yeah, I'm saying yeah. I, I'm but saying I, no, no, I start no. my year July 4th, holiday, so you start the year on a holiday. But that that is what you would do if the Super Bowl was in January. That'd be easy. The problem is it's not in January. It's in February. Yeah. That's why I'm starting July 4th, so maybe I still get it. Well, you'd have to move it up because then it, now, now I'm torn. It's like, here's, here's a question. Let's say you couldn't move it up. And so you either get February or you get July. You got to give up one of them. I would, I'd give up February, and I'd say, you know what? I got every, I got as almost, almost to the Super Bowl. I didn't quite get to the Super Bowl, but that's okay. I got the playoffs. July is just too good to give up. Because if you ask a Niner fan this year, they'd be like, well, "That was the greatest fucking season ever." <laughs> yeah, you mean we it won ended in the after the NFC Championship game? Yeah, and then if you ask a Chiefs fan, they'd be like, "You think we're gonna lose? We got Mahomes." So it just they both feel good about each other, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't need February now. The kicker is historically March Madness, and I love gambling on it. It's not as cool as it once was in the sense of when we were growing up, it was like you had to watch it to watch all the sweet players that were going to go to the NBA. You know better than me. I mean, how many guys this year skipped the NCAA? Or just if the NCAA tournament would have happened, would not have. Like the top five picks in the draft would not have been playing in the NCAA tournament, which is the polar opposite it was when we were like in high school. Now, I love the tournament. I'm not, I do love consuming it. I'm not, my consumption is not based on if Anthony Davis or Carmelo is playing in it, but that does add a lot of, like when you have stars in it, it takes it to another level. I don't think it's really disputable that it's lost a little luster, even though it's still an awesome event, right? You agree there? Yeah. Yeah, it's just I mean, part of any sporting event is like, well, you want to watch the Masters? Well, yeah, is Tiger playing in it? Like, it's still the Masters without Tiger. You add Tiger. It's that much sweeter. Like you add. Yeah, the top 10 draft picks are fucking on, you know, eight seeds and better. You're like a little more intrigued. Well, this like, is that's why. A gr- isn't that the great part about one thing college football really has right now? The college football playoffs to this weekend. Clemson. 17 NFL players, Ohio State, seven first-rounders versus LSU, six first-rounders. You're like, okay. this, is, and, and then you watch, you're like, geez, Louise, this feels like an NFL game, doesn't it? <laughs> right? That's part of it. And that's one thing I think that college football, because I'd say in the 90s, college sports, college basketball, and college football were both really big. And in certain years, college basketball could feel bigger than college football because they just felt like the minor leagues. And the NFL or college football hasn't changed. That's why, you know, you have kind of two people, like the, if you're a college fan, like the diehard college hoops guys and the diehard college football guys. I don't think college football, besides like it's not as physical or whatever, and the, it's a little more spread out, but the talent is all still there, right? In college basketball, it's like, well, some of these guys are playing in Australia, and now this new G League team. Because I love college basketball. I love like big Mondays. I'd be like, oh, this dude's going to be the third pick in the draft. Yeah. 
It, it, it doesn't happen as much. I'm not saying I don't I'm love asking it now. you, like, just you're like, I'm watching it. a Haberman call Colorado versus, you know, Cal. I'm like, God, this guy in Colorado is pretty good. You're like, yeah, he's like a fringe first rounder. And that, like, gets my juices going. Right, right, right. You know? <laughs> no, that's true. Good I question. think the college football season has made the fall even that much more important now. Because Saturdays, there are like four or five Saturdays a year that feel NFL like, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If you get the right are, three or four games, because you get some Sundays that feel smaller than the day before, right? We we had a yeah. few. I remember talking about some of those days where you're like, Saturday was the day this weekend. You're like, whoa, you know, I listen. I like Vrabel, and I know he'd cut off his penis, but I can only watch so many Tennessee Jacks games. <laughs> so, good question, Bubble Boy on uh, iTunes. Thanks for the review as well. Charlie, hit your DMs, right? Yeah, you wanna you wanna ask the serious question first. And then we can hit up. One thing he said is, uh, sorry for the recent ham pod, or so for the recent ham pod on Sunday, June 21st. This could potentially be a question. So I'll just, I'll just throw this out there. Then I'll read the serious question and we'll go back. Okay. But I thought it was really interesting and funny when you guys talk more about personal stuff, like the book thing and the stuff like that. So during COVID, I think you should maybe talk a little more personal stuff. But I like football, if you know what I mean. But I also like football, if you know what I mean. Me too. And trust me, we do too. And part of the reason we've been thinking about it, just fucking Corona, there's not as much going on. We're trying to be a positive show. So here's the serious question, and we'll get back to a little personal thing that I wrote down. Why does one talk about the men who integrated, or, or sorry, also question for the pod. Why does no one talk about the men who integrated the NFL and NBA, but everybody talks about Jackie Robinson breaking the MLB color barrier? Is it because those sports weren't as popular at the time? I don't know, but it could potentially be a good question. It's a great question. Fantastic. Because I had to Google who integrated the NFL. And in fact, the man who did it, Kenny Washington, did it before Jackie Robinson integrated Major League Baseball. Maybe I knew that and forgot, but how is that not common knowledge? And the answer is, uh, go ahead. Keep, I was going to say, the answer is pretty simple, I think, right? It's just Major League Baseball at the time was infinitely bigger than football was. I mean, because when I say the NFL, I mean, it's the NFL didn't become, it's not really the NFL until the 60s. So we're still yeah. 15, 20 years away from people really even caring to the degree. Baseball was by far and away. It's really crazy. I don't even. I think without well, they, I, they had had they had had multiple players that were just like LeBron James meets Michael. I mean they had Babe Ruth, they had Lou Gehrig, right? They had Ted Williams. I mean they had three or four. The sport was huge. They were a sport built for radio when radio became big. The, yeah. the other thing I would say this, just thinking about it off the top of my head, it's hard to know. I not having not lived it. Did ba- did Babe Ruth hit sixty home runs though in one hundred sixty two games, or did they play less? Uh, one hundred fifty four games. Gotcha. Um, whatever we say the difference between football and the next most popular thing is right now, the gap between baseball and the next most popular thing was probably bigger. And the next most popular thing was probably boxing. Cause it wasn't basketball and it wasn't football. Maybe it was college football. Yes. Yeah. See, I was going to chime in. I feel like we've seen movies and documentaries on the integration in the sec with football and basketball. Like when I think that movie that came out, 
I forget the movie title, but I, there's definitely a documentary Road. on the. It was on the Pat Riley Kentucky team that yeah. was all white, and whoever they were playing, I don't know who they were playing, but the all black school. Was it Glory and Road? That, is that the movie? Is that the movie? It pro- might be. I, I don't. I never saw the movie, but I remember reading about the movie. And then we've seen so much about like Bear Bryant and the SEC with the integration of that black players. Is there a chance that the college sports were a little Texas Western, the former UTEP? Yeah, a little more impactful in the fifties. I don't think there's any I, question. College basketball. You think so? You think like Kentucky or Alabama football was bigger in the fifties yes. or sixties? Did any NFL team? Yes, I the um, I don't remember the year because UCLA basketball, I guess, was as big as any right in John Wooden's era. Yeah, but even before that, the Knicks would have to leave the Garden when there was like a nas- they they would host a national college tournament at the Garden. The Knicks yeah. would have to leave the Garden and go play in like a smaller gym when that national tournament would come. So yes, college was bigger than the NBA. So I, I think that's probably it. I, I didn't I had to Google this. The first non-white player in the NBA was not a black man, was not an African American, it was an Asian American. Wataru Masaka debuted in nineteen forty seven. The first African American was nineteen fifty. Chuck Cooper. Yeah. yeah, I I think the most basic part of this is just the the gigantic nature at the time of baseball. I mean, it was just infinitely bigger than both sports combined times 100, right? I mean, it was didn't get any bigger. Yeah. And honestly, we felt that and Jackie Robinson on, played for – he didn't play for – he played for the Dodgers too, right? I, I feel like we felt that the majority of our childhood, probably the strike, but even once the home run race got back up, they were still really, really big. And the, I, I'd say by the time the steroid era kind of ended in the mid-2000s, Baseball just never been the same on the national level. And because when we were born, like Pete Rowe, like you just, the names Mickey Mantle to me resonated. Like we would talk Montana, Marino, Michael, right? Dr. J. It's just not the same now for whatever. They were on top for a hundred, I mean, what, almost 90 years. It's just, they had a hell of a run. They're still making money. Here's the thing about Kenny Washington, John, who was the first African-American in, in, uh, professional football he was Jackie Robinson's baseball teammate at UCLA didn't Jackie Robinson play football yeah he was really good at UCLA Uh uh-huh and I mean ran track and field this is always the pushback like watching did you watch Junior the documentary on MLB Network no I I didn't even know it happened yeah it was how did you know hour and a half I saw you well because the story in Junior I'm like oh this is I just assumed it was something old because I, I Coward does a Saturday podcast and I needed something to listen to on like last weekend when I was cleaning and he had Harold Reynolds on. And the reason I, you know, it turns out the reason he had Harold Reynolds on because Harold plays a part in the documentary. Hmm. And so it was to talk about junior and he's like, get ready for the junior documentary coming out Sunday. So I DVR'd it and then I needed something to watch on like a Tuesday and it was on, but I don't even know where I was going with this old conversation, but yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. But the junior uh, Jackie Robinson. Oh, you're talking about, I think you're talking about. Oh, oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. So in there's several scenes where they like go to Junior's home now, and he's got his, all of his kids. And Trey Griffey, who played wide receiver at Arizona, mm-hmm. is sitting there, kind of peppering him, like, "Dad, you were Grandpa. Who at, who who's who at the cooler home run?" Because when they went back to back, yeah, 
And he's like, of course, Grandpa's going to say he did because his ball went farther. And they go to his dad, who now coaches for like the Rays. Like, of course, my ball was cooler. It went farther. But it just had me thinking, like, Junior kind of looks like a football player now. Just he's gotten gotten in better shape because he got fat there for a while. But his son literally played football. And you just think, like, Ken Griffey Jr., in that doc, one of the moments, and it's really cool, because Griffey's dad, I think, thought he got fucked by Steinbrenner. They had a weird relationship. Ken Griffey Jr. hated the Yankees. Hated the Yankees. One time on record, like, in the peak of his powers, they're like, you know, when you become a free agent, when you go to the Yankees, and, and Griffey goes, if there was one team on earth, and they were the only team I could sign a contract worth, and it was the New York Yankees, I'd retire. And he ain't fucking around. He's dead serious. Because there's a night where they're getting in a fight, and that was the year that he broke his wrist on just, I mean, guy, the most incredible catch you've ever seen. He's flying through the fucking air. It's actually the wrist on his non-glove hand. Breaks his wrist. He's at home. He's losing his mind because he can't play. Randy Johnson's, like, hitting people in the head. They get into a fight. Junior gets in his car and comes, and you realize he showed up because it was the Yankees. Like, he hates Mm. the Yankees. But point is, there's a scene where he scores from from first on the Edgar Martinez double to left field. Like, it shouldn't have happened. Though, it's Griffey's really smart. He's like, I knew the turf was a little softer in left field, so it was going to bounce off if I could get going. Guy, he even Jay Buhner's like, I don't think I've ever seen a human run that fast. And you see him running, you go, guy fucking looks like Julio Jones or something. Like, there's a chance Ken Griffey Jr. in 2020 is Odell Beckham Jr., Right, I bet in his in his like twenty year old Ken Griffey Jr. is a four three guy. Yeah. He's six four. I mean, Harold Reynolds was like he shows up and he's like back in the eighties. Most baseball players weren't that tall, you know. It, it kind of became in the nineties, but he's like you look at our team, like our guys were like six two max. We had a lot of like five eleven guys. Griffey shows up six four, and I, I just think it just it just shows you like Jackie Robinson. Obviously, Jackie Robinson back then, I mean, baseball was just what you're going to play. Now, I mean, he's probably, you know, we talk, we've we talked about this before, like Vita Blue. Like, Vita Blue is probably like a defensive back at LSU, right? Starting. And then maybe comes an All-American and gets drafted and, and picked 19. Yeah. Right? It's a starting corner. Instead, he plays pro baseball, wins a side young. Is You just say Vita Blue. Everyone just knows that well, name. Well, Vita like, was what, an option quarterback, basically? A, a, a wishbone quarterback? Yeah, and remember, were you there the day that he told me? Yeah. Because we were just, like, Bear Bryant showed up to a high school, you know, that he was there. And yep. at the time, you know, Alabama was obviously probably better than LSU, and Bear Bryant was more famous, but crazy. The world changed. Like, football won't be on top forever. Like, eventually maybe we'll be like, God, did you did you see uh, did you see Odell Beckham's kid is playing for the LA Galaxy? <laughs> you know? And who knows? Get ready. It's coming. Uh, I, by the way, I remember those the vi, the Griffey back to back homers because there it was on my tape I had as a kid the fifty greatest home runs of all time, and Griffey Juniors is cooler because Griffey Juniors came second. Like to me that, you know what I mean? Like the second one is the one that made it cool that they went back to back. That was Ken Griffey Junior's whole take. He's like he had no pressure, right? He just hit a home run. Yeah. Then I came up, I had to hit the home run, <laughs> like. And that was his argument to his kid. He's like, yeah, it was me. I had the pressure to do it. I had to do it, right? Well, this is but what the we'll one, be talking about when Bronny and LeBron. The, the one thing cool in the doc, like, actually, they didn't talk about it this much in the doc about the minor league part, but they did talk about his dad and the influence because Ken was 20 when he made the team. Like, 
they just invite him to Major League Spring Training his second year. They draft him in 89. In 90, they invite him to Spring Training. He doesn't make the club. He's just our starting center fielder. And it was just like, obviously, he never looks back. And uh, Harold Reynolds like, there was a mandate in the organization when they drafted him. Number one overall. No one. I repeat, nobody from the GM and the coach. No one fuck with his swing. Leave him alone. No one was allowed to mess with him. But he had some flaws or whatever. And then when they signed his dad, Harold was like, he, it was like baseball porn. Like, because he could get into him. And back in the day, whenever they had an issue, the year before his dad showed up, they would be like, get senior on the, get senior on the phone. And he would just like, just play the game for the Yankees or whatever. And be like, yeah, you know, his hands are a little inside and then he'd work with them. It was just senior guy, underrated. You see senior at 40 years old playing the big 18 years. It's not like he had that much power. The guy looks like a Greek god. Another person, if Ken Griffey Sr. is a high school kid in 2020, he's in the NFL, guy. In the yeah. NFL. Good genes. Also, 40 was older then. Way older. But that's the thing. He, doesn't, he actually doesn't look that old. No, he looks like his great. dad, when he's playing, looked fantastic. Fantastic. Doesn't even look bad now at like 70. Yeah, now it's like, I don't even... God, 40. I mean, because Griffey was 18, right? Uh, when he got there, he was 19, 19. I think. They, dra- they drafted him at 17 the first year. Like, he turned 18 when he gets there, and then he makes the club at 19 years old. I, I and need by, to like, go watch that doc. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But it's like a lot of... Like, the coolest baseball moment is a first-round series against the Yankees. You know, they make the playoffs or whatever, but they never, like, make... They never get to a World Series or... Griffey hit five home runs in five games in that series. <laughs> he was a man fucking amongst boys. And he hated the Yankees. That's part of it. Like he and he, was, he also, before anyone used the word swag, he just had more than anybody. The backwards hat. the Well, like him and Michael hanging out. He got the Nike shoe. Just his jog, his swing. Well, the other thing the is thing. Gary, Gary Payton, you know, he, he was like everyone had the Griffies. Like oh the God. Griffies. Were I wanted those so have. bad. They were so ugly. But they I wanted them so bad. ugly. I, I I didn't just because those shoes were so ugly. I just remember thinking like, how, how where am I going to wear these? Like, how how do I wear these? Yeah, they just. But they were his, so you like I, I I don't know. I was. You see them now? On. They're weird. They look they look like moon boots. They're they are really weird. He had a few different versions, and all of them were weird. Yeah. Good on him. We well, had to be so. You had to be different than the than the basketball players, you know. Uh, so Charlie's DM he asked that question, which but he also asked another. It got you thinking you were trying to come up with just a personal non-sports take and you came up with one. Yeah. One thing I've realized during Corona and you don't go to restaurants really. I've actually been to some the last couple of weeks, but for the most part you're ordering in and an order in is pretty basic. I guess now with Uber Eats a little more, but I've come with some things like what I've realized the most overrated items and just slash overrated foods over the last, you know, couple months of just taking a step back. And realizing, like, because when you order food, I feel like you're a little more likely when you're sitting inside the restaurant with a couple friends, with your wife, whatever, to be like, oh, yeah, get the appetite. You get that. Where when you hit the button on your Uber Eats, you're like, no, I don't want that. You know? You're a little more, I think, prudent with your decisions. Well, because your meal, when you sit down with people, it's like you can't, you're not trying to eat in 20 minutes unless you're in a rush. At home, you don't, like, yeah, hopefully I'm done in 20 minutes and I can clean up and get on, get back to whatever I'm watching. Get it all, get the mess off the table, right? Yeah. Part of it. That, part of it is just the experience too. of taking your time. 
And there's also someone there sometimes at a restaurant telling you, like, yeah, you got to try the try this special calamari we got. Right. Or, you know, try this. That's true. So I pick my three most overrated food, food or food items at a restaurant that I'm never going back to. Now, this first one, I've known this for a while, but sometimes when you go to a restaurant and they have a special list, like their special cocktails, unless you're in Hawaii, a sugary cocktail is always terrible. Like whatever their special, like margarita, I would say just sugary cocktail in general. And that's usually the first list they give you is their wine and special cocktails are just awful. They, they, to me, they ruin my meal, and you never, because you would never make some special sugary cocktail before you got ate your food delivered to your house. But you do get it sometimes, like I'm telling you. We got these special orange blood margaritas, and it's like fucking drinking a Pez with a little tequila. You know? It's just awful. And you don't, when it comes to you, you, you don't, you would never even think about it. You don't even have the items to make the thing. No, and it's so, one of those and, things you would sip, but once you have to take your third sip or your fourth sip, you don't know how you're going to finish it. Yeah, and it just ruins. The I've actually flow. gotten off in Negronis because of that. It's just like, oh, this is I can't finish this thing. Uh, it's it's awful. Now the, I the used one to, thing, you know, I where can't. Hawaii separates themselves is Hawaii. Unlike a lot of people in the states that make it with you know, whatever the mixers are that are full of sugars. Natural They fruits. just typically use either a puree or the fruit. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to get a pina colada, they will just put the coconut in there. So the flavor will be just pieces I, of coconut. I also think ice. a lot of what you're, like, I my guess is the experience you're describing is something that happened to you or happens at 7 o'clock at night, right? Whereas the Hawaii experience happens during the day, it's warm outside. You almost want this combination of alcohol plus something just kind of But I'm telling you, their drinks do not taste as sugary as the drinks here. No, I believe you. I'm just saying I, a part of it is you're just in that place, and that's more what you're looking like, for. Like, what's think, the sweet right? taco joint in, uh, in Maui? The sweet taco joint? Remember the place you told me to get the, the taco spot when I went for Thanksgiving? I forget the name of it. It's like a special name. That everyone goes to. You're not talking about Monkey you know, Pod. Yeah, Monkey Pod. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's a. It's not like a Mexican place, but no, no. But I, yeah. I meant fish tacos. Oh, you know, they yeah. just got a bunch. Monkey of Monkey Pod. Yep. The, you know, they're my like. You get a, a mai tai there. It 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 flows. You get a mai tai if you just went to a restaurant and got a mai tai. Imitation. I think fucking hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So here's another one. No debate there. This one is going to spark some controversy. Uh, you could probably throw. Whatever they're at. But this is the most consistent thing you get. When you go to a restaurant, and you, especially a nice restaurant, usually you're going to order, take your wife, whatever. You spend some money. Like, you're going for the steak or the meal. And a lot of times, they make a very good bread. Whether it's a French bread. Certain restaurants bring several like different types of breads, like the rolls. right? You can get a wheat. You can get the white. And if you're a true eater, like most men are, because they fucking like to eat, unless you're really health conscious... You're going to be like, you know, I want to hold off on the carbs, but once you have a bite, you're going to end up eating seven slices of bread. I really think the bread on the table is pretty overrated because it ultimately can ruin your meal. You get so full from eating three loaves of bread before the, whatever the main, hell, before the salad comes out. You would never do that at home. Like, you might cut a slice of bread with the meal, like when you guys sit down, but you wouldn't put out the loaf of bread and just fire it down. That's Uh, not the way you consume strongly disagree. I've always said 
Well, I used to make this bad joke when I was a kid. Like, I could go to jail because all they eat is bread and butter. and That's my favorite food. I love bread and butter. So I'm not saying that I don't like bread either. I do like it. So, I'm but just you just saying said it, if it, you eat the bread, a, then the salad comes and you're not as hungry. Good. I'd rather eat the bread than the salad. First of all. Yeah, but you're, you're not even close to your meal getting there. I, look, I'm just telling you the bread and butter is one of my favorite parts of a meal. We, I bought a loaf of fresh bread probably a month ago. Uh, we had to put it in the freezer because I would snack on bread all day. I would just go sh- saw off a piece of it, put some butter on it. And before you know it, I'd had four pieces of bread as a snack before noon. That's problematic. So it's bad. That's my point. I agree it's bad, but it's not overrated. It's absolutely, it's my favorite. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the meal is the bread and the warm well, bread. Then- and you're at a restaurant and it's like, yeah, I'll have a bunch of carbs. I'm out to dinner. Give me four slices of bread. Great. But I think, but again, it's not even as much about the car. It's more about just the fullness. That's the one thing a Mexican joint has. It's easier to control chips and salsa in the sense oh, of, God. not for me, not easier because it tastes so good, but you're not, you're not eating anywhere close to as much as the bread. But I would say power this, down to me, if we were to, maybe this is controversial. I don't know. If we were to compare fresh bread and tortilla chips and salsa, personal preference, I love tortilla chips and salsa. I'll eat them all day long. I think fresh bread is more of just like a true, just delicacy piece of art, a core piece of like what my body craves. Well, people have been eating it for hundreds of years yeah. to survive. So I know? like, but there's the number one thing you just, throw to the peasants, a piece of bread and you survive. I, to me, the, what bread does to the things in my head that just go like, eat more, eat more. You're not full. It's just, it is like. It is at the center of the circle with like Doritos I'll, around I'll, it and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll take chips. And I'll, I think if you're going to do Chelsea, you got to throw in the guac too. I'll take well, chips and guac. But to me, o- now you're over putting guacamole the bread. and now that it, it makes it a more formidable opponent. Okay, let's even remove the guac no, and just go chips. Whatever you do, you get fine. You got twelve. You got twelve dollars to spend on the uh, guacamole, John. Your money bags. That's cool. My no- okay. My number one thing, the middle cough. One thing we did growing up, and I listen. I. I I, I still do love the food in theory, but every Friday for probably 25 years, probably, I guess not 25 years, I only lived there 18, but let's just say 10, uh, 10 solid years. There are multiple elite places in Davis. We had one that kind of moved to South Davis that we probably went to more in my latter years in high school. Chinese what food. what it was called? Every Friday. Every oh. Friday night. And, you know, in high school, a big part of high school lunches, Great Wall of China buffet. Mm-hmm. I think it was six ninety nine. I think it was, it was less incredible. than that. Yeah, it might have been five ninety nine. It was not much. It it was a price point that I don't give a shit if you live in North Dakota right now. You couldn't find in America, right? <laughs> it was simpler times in two thousand one. And listen, I I still like in theory Chinese food. I love the items. I love broccoli beef. I love chow mein. I love pot stickers. Guy, it, it takes me like. Pancakes, kind of same thing, but I didn't throw breakfast foods on here. If I eat Chinese food, I, I feel it for two days. My body can't process it. Maybe it's a 35-year-old metabolism that moves as fast as like a, a Pinto on the road. It's not going, it, it can't handle it. You know, it, it, it'd be like asking me or you to run like three straight go routes. Like our, our bodies aren't built for it. And while I love Chinese food, I, I just, it, at this point in time in my life moving forward, I, I don't think I can really do it anymore. Last time I did it, I did not have a good experience. So I'm gonna agree with this take, John. Not but not for a not reason. during the me- not during the meal. The meal is 
if it's is always fantastic. It's just my it just sits. I, I'm gonna agree with you, but for a different reason actually. So see if what you think about this. Uh, but but I agree with that part. It's just it you take such a beating, and as you it's like one of those things. As you're eating it now, you're like, oh, this is gonna. I'm gonna feel so miserable. Here's my problem with it. The best way to experience Chinese food is a buffet. Like, there are so many good things. When you order at home, if you ordered all the things that would give you the complete experience that you want from Chinese food, it would cost you $120 for two people, right? Yeah. Because you want the rice, you want the chicken, you want the beef, you want want the the general chicken, I want the Mongolian beef, I want, (laughs) yeah, maybe a little broccoli beef, I like that sauce, I want the sweet and sour, I want the orange, I want the chow mein for sure. But the buffet experience is not, it's like the quality is lacking in a massive way. Yeah. And you even feel worse when you do the buffet. So there's no like most efficient way to experience Chinese food. Let's just say you didn't feel like crap afterwards. Again, it's delicious. That's not the case, the argument here. It's just so expensive to eat it the way you want to eat it. Right? Like I, I can just order one pizza that's I don't need five different pizza varieties to in, to have like the fullest pizza experience I want. I don't need a burrito, nachos, two tacos. Mexican food, just give me the burrito, maybe some rice and beans, or the burrito, chips and salsa. I feel like I've had it all. Chinese food, it's always this like, all right, there's nine things we want. Let's try and pare this down to four because we don't need to spend, you know, 115 bucks. We're just trying to eat dinner tonight because then I'm going to have leftovers, which again are great, but so that's what it's, an, to me, it's that's not. That's another it's, problem. It's, it's not a great, it's not a great leftover ideal. Yeah. You know, food. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's not when you do it. You feel even worse. You're like, oh, this is going to be really bad. But there is a financial obligation. You go, well, I just spent eighty dollars for dinner last night, and I got food that should be able to. Just the quantity that's left could last me another day and a half. Right. So you feel obligated to eat it. That that's always a balance I have as a food order. If you're gonna feel guilty about what you're gonna eat, if you're gonna be forced to over order just based on whatever the food is you know it's easy to like order a cheeseburger or whatever now it doesn't travel as well in you know in this uber eats generation we're in but for the most part if you just get a cheeseburger you just eat the cheeseburger when you order something like chinese or even pizza unless you get if you're going to get enough pizza that's going to all get eaten that night uh you're going to be forced to eat it unless you just you know throw it away which is hard when you, you know the price point especially us in the bay area you spend so much money you're like i'm going to eat this thing here's the other thing with pizza you can go 50-50 on the one pie right like ideally with chinese you'd be like give me a quarter order of like 12 things yeah and that only adds up to four things like in terms of volume it's right? why listen the the, the overall a, a dirty buffet is worse than everything but there is something to be said about when you sit down and you look at your plate and you go, I got a half piece of prime rib, I got chicken chow mein, and I got a slice of pepperoni pizza. Like that, there's not, <laughs> you know, that is and, a special feeling. And this meal is $4.50. Exactly. And it did not we're cost at Cracker me much at all. I haven't had buffet in a while, but it's, and Are I there buffets won't. for all, like, is there buffets for all kinds of food? Not really, right? I mean, there's not. There's buffets yeah, I mean, that I, has all kinds of food, it, but like, like when you, like that's the for point, example, you couldn't make a buffet out of like, it's a, it's an Italian food buffet. You just, okay. They got 19 different kinds of pasta. That doesn't help me. Yeah. You, you probably, you could do it. You can do it with Mexican because you can go bur- little burritos. You can go different type tacos. You, could, you can go yeah. enchiladas. Order you, a platter. They, 
Yeah, they got a lot of different. Like, they actually are, to me, if we were doing the positives, probably one of the most seamless things to order that most people are not going to complain about. Because you can go kind of healthy stuff. You can go kind of carb loaded. You can just, no one ever complains about about chips. Mexican food. Yeah. We just ordered a couple tostada salads. Yeah. It's pretty easy to just get the whole, uh, you know, just check all the boxes for everybody. Yeah. Because it's all the same thing presented differently. A burrito is just tacos wrapped up. Nachos yeah. is just a burrito on chips, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. all just the same thing, in, just giving you in a different form. Exactly. God, what'd you call nachos? A burrito on chips. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks. So we love food here. Yeah, um, all right, here's one. You just got me thinking. I didn't really think of this. I hadn't thought of it this way. Overrated food. Cereal. I lo- and I love cereal. There's a million different times of good cereal. My problem with cereal is this. I'm always hungry 30 minutes after I had cereal. It's like smoothies. Like, God, smoothies are great. They make you feel good. I'm hungry again in an hour. So I, what did I accomplish? not part of my diet. I, I, I do, we don't do that in the middle cough home oh, okay. anymore. We just don't even I haven't. I, I have it. I haven't. I, I, used to, I go in spurts. I haven't eaten in a long time. It's a good way yeah, to I force don't. some fruit into your diet. You can throw some raspberries on it, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't do it, man. All right. Um, we actually have some sports topics to get to again. Podcast This is why I keep telling people. It's why I told Berman a podcast is as long as it needs to be and no longer. Unlike radio where you on radio, what would we be doing? Filling time on a podcast. No, we don't have to talk about any of this stuff. No, talk about whatever we want. Podcast brought to you by my dad uh, went out. I got to ask him. He went out on a, on a run today wearing, well, it's a walk now, wearing the uh, Raycon earbuds I sent him for Father's Day. B-U-I, Raycon.com, slash ham. That, those, are the, uh, those are the earbuds you got to get. Yep. You already know Raycon earbuds, half the price, guy. Half the price of all the top premium uh, wireless earbuds on the market. They sound amazing. You have them. I have them. Your father has them. Their newest model, the Everyday E25, are their best ones yet. Six hours of playtime. It's the seamless Bluetooth pairing. You literally just, boop, press a button, iPhone. You got more bass, connected design. They look good. Nothing hangs over, fits perfectly Mm. in your ear. Uh, Unlike a lot of the wireless options that obviously has things hanging all over the place. I, I listen. I, I I wore them today when I went for a run. Buyraycon.com slash ham. Love love my uh, my earbuds. And when you do that, you get fifteen percent off your first order. Buyraycon.com slash ham. That's buyraycon.com slash ham for fifteen percent off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash ham. All right, there you go. Uh, so uh, one thing, a couple things here. One. As it relates to Bryant Young, Bryant Young just had he used his. To come on, he used to come on our radio show a lot. Remember? I do. Yeah, that's right. He was. Great. His, really they remember, his son kind of got his son got sick, but he was a great. He passed away. Yeah, a few bad years deal. Ago. Yeah. So Bryant Young did a conference call with the uh, local barrier media because he's going into the Niners Hall of Fame, which is, I mean, he belongs, and. Yeah. He was at Matt. I was reading about it. Matt Barrows in the Athletic wrote um, if he thought Nick Bosa could break his sack record. He was talking about how he thought Alden Smith was going to break it, 
And obviously, you know, 44 sacks in five years, the pace was incredible. He was almost halfway there. Um, and then I love your play. 50. Huh? I love that you put Cassius Marsh on this list. For those listening to the podcast, guy has a, a visual up. Cassius uh, yeah, Marsh. Yeah, you too. I just put some of the great sackers, John. So here, here's the list. Bryant Young, 89 and a half sacks. Number one, Niners, franchise history. Charles Haley, number two, 66 and a half. So Bryant Young is number one by a wide margin. Ahmad Brooks, 51 and a half. Dana Stubblefield, 46 and a half. Just some other reference points. Alden Smith and Justin Smith are sixth and seventh, 44, and Justin, 43 and a half. Would Justin be like, I should have more than Alden because I gave him half of his sacks. Chris Dolman was eighth. DeForest Buckner, John, was 13th on the list, 28 and a half. Incredible. Eric Armstead has 19. Bosa has nine. Cassius I'd say all, I, right I, I, on I'd Bosa's say all, heels at seven and a half. I'd say Alden is the one guy on this list that you go left a lot to be on the table and to be desired, right? He had the opportunity to have a Von Miller career. I mean, he would have been a Hall of Famer if he could have kept it in the straight and narrow. He was elite. Chandler Jones, like he was just, he was dominant. He would have kicked ass even on the shitty teams. Then when they got good again, he would have been awesome. So he's, because when you think 49ers, what's weird is I was just doing my head when you were reading this off. Like if we went every other position, right? Who's the best Niner quarterback? Who's the best Niner wide receiver? Who's the best Niner tight end? Hell, the tackle now. Well, Joe Staley kind of became that. Now you got Trent Williams. Who's the best safety? I don't know, Ronnie Lott. But Tim McDonald still is pretty good. Corners. Well, Deion was only here for a year, but they still had Deion Sanders for a year. You know, Richard Sherman's going to have a three- or four-year career as a Niner. Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman. Like, they've had great players at every other position, but you go pass rusher, they haven't had, like, multiple, like, LTs. You know, that's just been the one position because Bryant Young was a defensive tackle. Yeah, Nick Bosa, and that's where I get back to Alden, they did nail the pick. Like, Alden was everything you'd want in a top 10 pick, right? He's a guy that yeah, you thought blue could be chip your franchise player. Who is fully as, who's reaching his potential. Yeah, who's physically different, who's, that has the physical attributes, who can execute it. It was just against the best. It was awesome. This is where I always like to pump the brakes a little bit, just because... If I would ask you in 2005 how many majors Tiger would, and he was probably a much more concrete than Nabosa or even Alden, you'd have been like, I don't see how he doesn't win 30 majors, right? He's not going to beat Jack's record. He's going to fly by it. And things just change. Because I'd go, Nick Bosa, one major advantage he has, he's an outside pass rusher. So when you look at outside pass rushers, they have more sacks than interior pass rushers. And you look at Bryant Young's career numbers, he only had double digit sacks a couple times. I wrote down his first two years guy. He only had 12 sacks. So Nick Bosa only needs three next year to just match his pace. I think it's fair to say he'll probably just has another average year, you know, given that he's going to be a little better because he's going to know how to play. You know, just he's already played in the league. He'll probably be, if you say, what, what would you guess Bosa gets next year? I'd be like 10 to 12. So already he's probably around 20. So he's going to be well ahead of the pace. Uh, he also has the ability, unlike Bryant Young, like he could have a stretch in two seasons in the peak of his powers to like go 18 and 20 in back-to-back years and all of a sudden have like 38 to 40 sacks in a, you know, 35, 38-game stretch. Yeah. Or have like a 40-game stretch where he averages a sack a game type deal, which is impossible for a defensive tackle. 
unless you're Aaron Donald. And even then, I bet if we look to the numbers, it's not as possible as you think. Uh, so I, I, I'd say that, yeah. But there's so, there's a lot of unknown. You know, he's a guy that's been injured before. I think to get there, he'd probably need seven pretty damn elite years. You'd have a chance. But seven years, that means he keeps kicking ass. They give him a huge contract, and he keeps kicking ass, right? He's he's the ultimate draft pick. He's everything you desire in a number two overall pick. And I'd say based on one year, you'd say, how would you argue? I, I, I'll go – well, so by the way, to your point on Bryant Young's highs, he had five years with eight sacks or more. Five. He also played 14 seasons for the same team, right? So, I mean, that in and of itself is what makes it so unique that most players don't play 14 years in the NFL, let alone seven, let alone 14 for the same team. Vaughn Miller has 106 career sacks. It took Vaughn one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, it took him eight years to have more sacks than Bryant Young. In part because his third year in the league, he only had five sacks. He played nine games. Towards ACL, yeah. Came back at 14 sacks after that. But we're talking, here's Von Miller's sack totals. 11 and a half, 18 and a half, 5, 14, 11, 13 and a half, 10, 14 and a half. And last year he was eight. Okay. He missed outside of that ACL year, won two games. So he plays every game, and he's had multiple three seasons over fourteen. I will say this, right? And I, and I agree with you. I mean, like talking about how a guy, how, how, how long till he gets eighty and a half more sacks? Because that's what we're talking about here, or eighty-one sacks is what we're talking about here with Bosa to pass Bryant Young. The one thing you would say with Bosa is he is what it looks like, right? Like when Ahmad Brooks became a niner, you wouldn't have said, "Pretty sure that guy will be third on the all-time sacks list." Right. No. But he he really benefited, and I, I like Ahmad Brooks. He was by far the worst linebacker of the group. Now the bar's high. It was Bowman, Willis, and Alden, and their defensive line with Justin Smith and Ray McDonald. He did, in a weird way, get to fly under the radar a little bit, especially after that rookie year for Alden. It was like, Jesus Christ, we gotta double team that guy. So sometimes like I bet if you look into Alden or I mean, for example, Vaughn last year, what happened? DeMarcus Ware's not there. Bradley Chubb gets injured. All of a sudden, it's like, well, he's the only. I bet, wouldn't you imagine if I tell you Bradley Chubb plays 16 games, what would you imagine Vaughn's sack number is? Back to like 13, yeah, 14? 12 and a half. So you are, and this is where the, the Niners do value it, but it is like you do have to have help to have these numbers. Like you so, brought this up. Bryant played with a lot of good players, right? But, but I would say you look at these guys, they all did. Charles Haley uh, got on a – came to a really good 49ers team. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, was it, initially was on a really good 49ers team, left, and then he was old and came back. But he got most of those early. But Ahmad Brooks, to your point, Alden and Justin together. Chris Dolman, yes. Armstead and De, uh, DeForest Buckner together. That's where I think Bose is on a team now that has two things that I think a pass rusher needs or that would help a pass rusher rack up stats. A really good offense. So y- your team is playing with the lead. The other team has to throw. And obviously now it's a throwing league more so than it's ever been. That helps them too. But a really good offense and a team that prioritizes its defensive line. You could argue the Niners prioritize the defensive line more than they prioritize anything else on the team, right? So Bosa should, if the Niners just keep doing what they're doing, be surrounded by good – they are prioritizing putting good players around Nick Bosa constantly, which on one hand you go, well, some of those guys are going to steal his sacks. Yeah, maybe. 
But in the end, what we see, what do we see? If you're on a team with good pass rushers, the, everybody gets big numbers. Not everybody gets small numbers because they're stealing each other's sacks. There's going to be a lot of sacks to go around. A lot of chicken to be passed out, right? How many sacks would you guess Nick's brother Joey has right now through four seasons? Uh, 45? I, it would be 45 probably. He got hurt two years ago. He only play, I don't remember what his injury was, but he only played in seven games. He has 40. Okay. Ten and a half, 12 and a half. Second year plays in six, you know, starts six games, five and a half, and then last year, 11 and a half. So to me, like, if Bosa's Joe, Nick just has the 10 and a half, 11 and a halfs every year, well, I bet you'd be like, well, what was he play with? Another great pass rusher in Melvin Ingram, who's also a double digit guy every year. So that's a good thing. You just keep racking up double digits, you'll fly up this list. I would say there is no excuse if he can just play stay relatively healthy for him not to be the number two overall guy one day. Now, the 90 thing, to me, there is a longevity there. Right. I think it's fair to say, like, Vaughn, I mean, guy, Vaughn's won a Super Bowl MVP. He's going to go down as one of the great all-time pass rushers. You'd probably say, in the history of the Denver Broncos, beside Elway, there's probably a legit argument he's the second-best player in the history of the franchise, right? And he's at 104 or 106 or whatever. But I, I bet Vaughn, if he walked in Steve right now, Steve Atwater, yeah, better. Yeah, I think Gary's Gary a first ballot hall. Isn't he a first ballot hall of famer? Yeah, Von Miller was Gary Zimmerman a first ballot hall of famer? Uh, I'd have to look. I honestly didn't really know who Zimmerman was until Schefter brought him up on like an NFL Live, and I was Terrell like, Terrell Davis. Do a little yes, yeah. you're right. I, yeah, because yes, he's short. Right. Yeah. So and and Vaughn, right? He ain't done, right? Don't you think he's got a couple more ten sack seasons in him? Like he's mm-hmm. gonna end. It'd probably be like one forty. And he definitely has, like, just because he's, like, an athletic guy, kind of like DeMarcus Ware, he's got a – remember when uh, Vaughn Miller finished those last two years on the Seahawks and got, you know, 17 sacks over two years? Like, that, that's going to happen. Yeah. So, it shows you, Nick, th- there's a longevity aspect. That's the hard part about football. Like, Terrell Davis is in the fucking Hall of Fame, and he really had, like, four seasons. But so, he, it's just the nature aberration. of – Yeah. Yeah, it's just the nature of, like, Bosa could have five years – you, all we'll be talking like Nick Bosa, the best five years start in NFL history, and then something happened, right? Cause but that Alden, is what we were saying with Alden. We still say it. We're like, God, if he just could have put the bottle down, man. He and was maybe, so good why, that you're he, like, I wouldn't change it. I'd still draft him. I honestly think people, when I see people talking about him, guy, I almost think people underestimate him. Like, yeah, you talk about like Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon had one season. You know, you talk about Randy Gregory, like, Alden in a different world than these guys. He was the best player on 13-win teams. Let me repeat, the best player. Like, we're talking 18 sacks on a team that is, when they get off the bus, you're like, we're about to get our ass whooped. He was their best player. Right. That's why it's like, if you told me this year, Alden gets nine sacks, I'm telling you, I don't expect, like, remember those couple good, Alden, when his life was out of control in the Raiders, by about the third or fourth game, you're like, God, this guy looks pretty good. Like, he was, he was like, Khalil, does Khalil that smooth? You know, you're like, he, he's a different beast. And, I, and in fairness, like, I think Nick, wouldn't you say year one of just any athlete you've ever watched, just one year playing in big time games, you're like, yeah, this looks pretty special. Well, right? it didn't look like nine sacks. It looked like 14 and a half sacks, didn't it? 
Well, because he was kicking ass in the playoff games. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's like, even the plays that he misses, he's like touching their shoelace as they're jumping away. You're right. And part of Alden, like if, if I told you I got 10 peak years of Alden, 10-year peak years of Nick, and, you know, I think if we could go back, you would take Alden, right? He's just longer. It's just he can play in any scheme. I think Nick probably could too, but... It just shows you, like, Nick's probably that next tier down, which is still a damn good tier. Like, yeah, which he, is he an all-pro. a Hall of Famer. Yeah. That's the thing with Alden, right? Is he – Alden, in some ways, you're like, oh, he didn't realize his potential. Well, he didn't realize his longevity, maybe, but he did show us just – it was not – God, I wonder how good Alden could be if he put it all together. No, he put it all together. We saw it. We saw knew it. how good he was. Yeah. yeah. It was wild. So we've talked about Jamal Adams a lot. The follow-up to that story, regardless of what happens with him, is Manish Mehta, who uh, writes for the Daily News, covers the Jets, NFL reporter, wrote this. The prevailing sentiment in, in Gang Green's locker room is clear. Players don't respect Gase, who has rubbed them the wrong way with his inability to lead and lack of support. The mercurial head coach has also drew, uh, also drew the ire of a litany of players during his tenure with the Dolphins. I was just thinking when this story broke, like the – Gase, the the players aren't loving Gase in New York. Uh, that Gase is what people thought the worst case of Kyle Shanahan was gonna be when the Niners hired Kyle, and that thing was always out there. Like, is Kyle difficult? And the answer has turned out no, at least not in the way that people were afraid that he would be. That he wouldn't be a good leader. That he wouldn't be able to relate to players. That he wouldn't be a teacher. That he wouldn't. You know, he would, like, uh, overemphasize offense in the draft, or he would get married to guys. And, I mean, say what you want about the Dante Pettis pick. He doesn't force Pettis on the field, right? Like, Gase is exactly in this alternate universe what people were afraid Kyle was going to be. And and Kyle, I would say, is what people thought Gase was going to be. I think the day and age of having someone, and listen, coaches, you've been around them. I've been around them at a higher level. And maybe it's like this in high school, but it's it's a little harder because they're also like PE teachers sometimes, you know, or have a normal person job. To me, once you get to the level of elite college coach or an NFL coach, you're making so much money, you're kind of in this own little world. So you can kind of be who you want to be, which is who you are. Because you start, I'm just, I'm going to be who I am. Adam Gase is a big time weirdo. And it just kind of hit me. The Tom Sula thing was a disaster. Adam Gase would have got longer than a year if they had signed, if they had signed, you know, uh, Jim Tom Sula. Maybe it might have been two or three, right? Just because he is offensively, like he's not an idiot. He was kind of Kyle. Claire, Shanahan you're saying if Gase had been guys. Tom Sula's offensive coordinator, there's a chance he might have got four, right? Because even look at Miami, they it got so weird so fast, but they had won. A, you know, that first year they had made the playoffs. In a weird way, the Niners got lucky because the one, listen, how do you say it? Manish? Manish Meta? Manish. I believe. I follow him on Twitter, follows me on Twitter. I, sometimes the stuff, you know, it feels like it's a little anti gaze. In fairness, I do, because some people think that he kind of like goes over the top. Like he's that guy in that market. But you would say that it has followed Gase around now a little bit. Like, he's battled this in Miami. He's definitely battling it there now with, like, some famous players. Remember last year, Kelechi said something. They had a wide receiver that claimed he did something weird when they put him on injured reserve. Uh, now, Jamal Adams, who hasn't said this publicly, 
But this guy's this guy I I I think is just a dead man walking unless and this is what like you can overcome weirdness as a human is being a great coach and that's where the Niners are lucky. It's like wait, you just get a good coach who everyone likes. Like that's I ideal. And and again, you don't need everyone to like him, right? And I don't I, I would imagine some you ask Matt Breda, you know, you'd get some different opinions. Not that they don't like Kyle, but not everyone's in his good graces, right? Breda got in his doghouse. Dante Pettis got in his doghouse. Now, rightfully so. But it's different players. Like, yeah, if you ask Debo Samuel what it's like to play for him, he'll say good things, which he should. I, and I always lean to the good players. Like, I don't give a shit what Dante Pettis thinks. But, like, not everyone has a raving review, I'm sure, of Andy Reid. Even though that I'd say he definitely feels like that. Like, Marcus Peters, like, screw Veach, screw John Dorsey. And he's my dog, second father. <laughs> Just, somehow he pulls that off. I don't know if Kyle will always be able to pull that off because Andy legitimately elite human. And I, I think what's Kyle seems like a pretty good guy. Adam Gase, I don't know if he's like a bad guy or anything. I just think he's clearly really weird, man. I, I, and when you're really weird and you lose, it doesn't go well. So two things. One, I do like I think most players, right, don't just hate guys who don't play them and love guys who play them. I think most players get, right? Like, just because you don't play me doesn't mean you can't coach me or doesn't mean you hate me or doesn't mean I should hate you necessarily. But I think sometimes it's like we're not seeing eye to eye. For sure. Right? Yeah, no doubt. Like, you're telling me to do this, and I do. I think I do it, and you say I still don't play. You know, it's, sometimes it's, it's like any personal relationship. It's not always black and white. But I guess what I'm saying is the good coaches probably make it really clear to the players what it is they ask of them and why it is that they're not playing. Well, wouldn't you say the number one thing in any relationship, whether we're trying to get something accomplished, whether you're trying to get something accomplished with a significant other, whether you're trying to get something accomplished with a player coach, whatever, communication, and you hear it all the time, and then when you don't do it, you realize, God, I should have just said something. I shouldn't have assumed that. I should and, and I think you see a lot of these stories of – you read this a lot in the pros, like, yeah, he, he – the coach was a bad communicator well sometimes like they're afraid of com- confrontation yeah like eh, eh, i think when you're secure like eh, andy's not afraid of telling someone no that's not good enough you're not going to play i think some coaches it's like some humans like you get into a fight with your wife you gotta kind of be beat around the bush where if you just said it in the right tone or whatever you could get the problem fixed faster and i think a lot of coaches especially younger coaches and this was always the knock on younger coaches is it's hard to tell like a four-time All-Pro something that is going to be an uncomfortable conversation. Where Belichick, when's the last time Belichick even thought like this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation? Maybe with Tom a little bit. But for the most part, I would say minus Brady, he hasn't had an uncomfortable conversation on his end in two decades. <laughs> right? Right. And, and uncomfortable, like, I, no. I guess some humans, like Howie Roseman didn't mind confrontation. I, I don't love it. You know, I don't know where, like, I, I don't love Yeah, I mean. Because uh, it is confrontation when you're telling a guy he's not going to play. And I do think Kyle, because he's maybe more of a normal human, it's easier to have that conversation. When a guy's telling you something you don't want to hear, which is never easy, and you think the guy's a weirdo, it's not going to go well. And I think that's kind of what's happening with this guy, that everywhere you read, people just think he's just kind of this, just out there human being. Well, right? yeah, I mean, look, I think part of this – tell me what you and think of this. Not, who's not winning. The thing with Kyle was when people said Kyle's difficult, there wasn't, like, a quote. There wasn't, like, a story. 
I didn't really know where it came from. I, you know, the reputation that we thought he had, we didn't really know exactly where specifically it came from. Redskins. And I, what I, huh? The Redskins. Yeah, well, yeah, may, maybe it was just Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. Um, and you kind of mentioned that the other day, so maybe it is that simple. Well, doesn't it feel but, like that's the majority now looking back? Like it just felt like that kind of el- that just that that cloud hung over him and his dad. We knew before Adam Gates became a head coach where the positive rep for him came from. Basically, if Adam Gates had a resume, there would be one reference on it. And you'd be like, one reference? That's not enough. And then you'd look and you go, oh, the reference is Peyton Manning? Okay, that's enough. Well, but this goes back to just people are different. 99.9% of the players you coach are not Peyton Manning. In fact, none of them are Peyton Manning except for Peyton Manning. So uh, you could, I could say, John, uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking for a... John retires from broadcasting, and I'm looking for a job because i got to make some money. And, John, you call up somebody and go, hey, i got a co-host for you. Get Guy. He'll be great for you. Well, maybe I was great with you. That doesn't mean I'll be great for that person. Uh, Guy, who else have you worked with? Uh, Nobody, just John. Well, okay. Well, hopefully what you did with John works with all these other people. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. For Gase, maybe the thing that worked for Peyton Manning only worked for Peyton Manning because he's Peyton Manning. But what Peyton Manning needs is going to be different than what most other people need. And I think I, that I, that being his recommendation created this whole thing where it's like, well, if he's good enough for Peyton, he's good enough for anybody else, right? I, I also think it speaks to the power of a recommendation. Because my recommendation, if I, if I call up someone at Fox, is only going to go so far. If you had worked a game with Troy Aikman or Kirk Herbstreet and they were saying – I've been doing this a while. He's the best play-by-play guy I've ever worked with. Or vice versa. Or like an executive was like, we had guy do a game. This is Dick Ebersol. I'm telling you. Right? It's just right. boom. Let's say what you want. When Peyton Manning picks up the phone, I, in our lifetime, maybe Tom, but I'd even say Peyton's viewed a little differently. Like, I don't think it gets any better. I Honestly. Like, do you think a player could pick up a phone in any sport in our, in our 35 years of life and give the explanation that he would give to, because I, I think like MJ would be short. I just think Peyton would like just go on and on. You'd be like, holy shit. Because every, all these people that are in the hiring positions think like, well, if I ran a Fortune 500 company, what has always been said? Well, if Peyton didn't play football, he'd be fucking the CEO. And it's probably true. So when he gives you that recommendation, of all the recommendations you could possibly have, Adam Gase had one of the greatest recommendations in the history of the league. Right. And that's kind of put him in a situation where if I'm just trying to think of like random coaches, if let's say Robert Sala had gotten the equivalent of like, you know, Brian or that, it's not even, it doesn't even parallel, you know, it's just like, there's not, it just, it doesn't get any better than that. Of course he was going to land like, yeah, the Niners, whatever Elway was, I, you know what was Elway kind of right? Cause it kind of feels like Elway was like, guys, this guy's a little weird, man. I think Elway was telling people that like, li- I, I meant more of a different view on this. Peyton's in the in the in the bunker with him. I'm telling you, I I, I see all the different coaches. I, I see it all. I've been around this for a while. I've ran other companies. This is weird. Being Peyton's right hand guy, right, is different than being a leader of a full locker room. Here's the other thing: if because Peyton, Sh- Peyton does a lot of that work for you, right? Right. Peyton runs the practice. Who, who Kyle, is Kyle's huge recommendation? Well, this is what I was going to say. It'd be. Raheem Mostert, Matt Brady. It'd be any running back that's ever played for him. It'd be the offensive lineman. It'd be some receiver who on another team would have 15 catches, but with Kyle he had 32, right? It'd be, it'd be Kittle and Garoppolo and whatever. 
But I think his recommendations would be these guys who just on most teams might not make an impact. But for Kyle, he finds a way to get something out of them. Or like to me, it'd be his running backs. It'd be any running back that played for him. Well, I'd say had a career year. He always had like underrated people kind of beating the drum for him, right? right. But at the end of the day, if I'm an owner or I'm a GM, like that's I'll find those guys too. But but the the job is coaching those eighty percent of your roster is that guy. Yeah, well, Kyle, think about Kyle now. He's lap gaze because I mean Peyton, no one's listening anymore on this one. Think of like who would you call immediately? I don't know Richard Sherman, Joe Staley. Like (laughs) yeah, now his recommendation list would be long. They've changed. John Belichick. Well, think about this. Like, who did Belichick call? What's the story? You know, he just he, he thought very highly of Kyle. Like, that was the reason he got his quarterback. I would say Kyle's rep, they were, Gase was way ahead. If this was a, you know, a, a race, it wasn't even close. Yeah. Way ahead. I'd say Kyle's lapped him now. Be, and partly because eventually when the recommendation, whether it comes from Dick Ebersol or Warren Buffett or Peyton Manning, if, if that if that recommendation never changes, but that guy's information and his resume, what he what he the position he's been put in because of that recommendation starts growing and we get more information, I think it kind of falls on deaf ears. And that's the one thing. Like Kyle's not even at no one's asking to get recommendations. People are going out of their way, like Sherman's like, geez, this guy is just the real deal. And then you get Belichick's like, Yeah, just I didn't want to send him to some shitty coach. I love Jimmy. Just as he's texting Jimmy. You know, it's just it 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 shows sometimes organically, I've never when I was in Philly in the Fresno State, like I helped weed out a process, but it really is difficult. Like if, if we wanted to hire some intern and we got a guy that had like worked on Coward Show and and, and we were like going to make him our main video guy for Haven Middlecoff. And I called, we, we got Colin on a conference call with you and me. And he was like, I'm telling you, I every time I've been around this kid, he's always brought something to the table. He's been really impressed. I've been working in this business for, 25 years this guy's young hungry i i would if we didn't if we had a spot i'd hire him in a heartbeat right what were we gonna say like not take that seriously yeah now it doesn't mean the kid like a no one else would have a chance that based on his position i did get a dm on instagram from jack who said i will literally do anything uh to work for free i will watch your paint dry if that's what it gets uh to get the opportunity he wants to intern with us but i get a lot of those i mean i think we definitely could eventually I mean, unless right now, probably not at the point where we need. It'd be. I just want to sign up. I just want to sign a letter that like uh, uh, three college credits for his work with Ham. That's that's what I aspire yeah. to. I'd go to bat for this guy. I'm telling you, Billy is the next star in the biz. To the mat. <laughs> yeah. So, did you want to talk about the uh, baseball broadcast? Yeah, if you do. <laughs> well, let's just we'll be brief about this. There was. Uh, there was a report that was initially misunderstood um, by from uh, Chris. Is it? I you know I followed him forever. The Red Sox beat writer who like got his job when he was twelve. Uh, well, I guess he was a little older than that. It's like he's like the East Coast version of Kerry. Uh, but he is it. I don't know if it's Cotilla Cotillo. I think it's Cotillo with the L's pronounced right. Chris Cotillo. I don't know. I just got it. I don't follow him. I got it retweeted into my timeline. Gotcha. I followed him for a while, and he's like probably maybe he started covering the team when he was still in college. I think he got a yeah. job like covering when he was like at North Carolina still. 
like a well, junior. The one thing Kerry Crowley a, has is Kerry Crowley built a uh, a school for journalism. Kerry Crowley uh, did build a school <laughs> during. Yeah, that's true. On the internet. So, <laughs> but baseball's got some good young writers, John. Don't throw all the baseball writers in the same boat. Anyway, yeah, uh, uh, Cotillo tweeted about what the broadcasts are going to look like. That it's going to be 50-50. It's going to be one broadcast 50-50. And what everyone thought that meant, you and me included initially, was only one broadcast team will call a game, but they'll have to call it neutrally. What it actually is is both broadcasts are calling a game. So say the Giants are playing at the Dodgers. You're still going to have your Giants TV broadcast. They just won't have their own crew. So they'll have to use all the Dodgers camera shots. Although a buddy of mine who's, who produces the White Sox, Chris, told me, they will get one camera that they get to use. But in any event, that's what it is. It's going to be the TV visual will only be one set of cameras. It'll be the home team's cameras. And they're hoping that they'll, as many times as they show Dave Roberts, they'll also show Gabe Kapler. That's kind of the this, idea. The, and the ultimately, the thought process behind this is to limit the amount of people in the park and the, the amount of moving parks, yeah, right? That's right. And if the broadcasters aren't traveling to road games, then you're not going to send a camera crew there. Now, the challenge for that, just briefly for people, I've done a game like this. It sucks because you don't have any control. You're a producer. So, like, I'm calling a game for the road broadcast. John Middlecoff is the producer. You can't tell me, hey, all right, we're about to show the pitching rubber. Let's talk about where the pitcher is situated on the rubber. We can't do any of that. So, if the home broadcast, if the Dodgers, Oral Hershiser's breaking down where Clayton Kershaw is standing on the on the rubber and you're watching the Giants telecast all of a sudden the Giants guys will be talking about who knows what and they'll be zoomed in on Clayton Kershaw's feet and no one will know why on the Giants broadcast there won't be communication so that's the challenge is you can't marry together what you're talking about and the video the only way to do it is for the guys that are calling the game to follow the video but you don't know where the video's going you know one of the best parts of a Giants game is what when they just show the crowd and those guys start laughing about people well, they're pretty unique. If you watch a lot of baseball, you know most broadcasts don't keep going back to the shot of the kid and the mom picking popcorn out of his hair for seven yeah, Ice cream all over his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, that is where that is going to be the issue. But, yeah, go ahead. I, I originally found it funny because I thought how hard it was going to be for people to be neutral. Yeah. And then I realized, I started thinking about just watching Giants broadcasts, which... I, I would imagine most broadcasts in baseball would be considered quote-unquote homerism, right? They, they prop up their team. But I think if you watch a lot of baseball, and MLB Network does a good job during the season of bringing a lot of teams' home feeds, it's actually because the analyst, and the, that's where the Giants are unique, their play-by-play guy fucking played, so he his respect level, like, he had a major league career. Like, he respects if you're a good player. Baseball's a little old school in the sense of the game is still kind of the game that was played in the 70s and 80s. Now, it's a little different with shifts and stuff, and they complain about that, I would imagine, a little bit. But that is not directed at the players, right? They, they direct that more at, like, the executives that are forcing the players. Now, they beat up sometimes, like, when a shift and the guy won't go the other way. Basic stuff, which I think is a normal conversation. But when you play, when the Giants play the Colorado Rockies, you know, Dwayne Kuyper would be like, God, this Charlie Blackman, I'd take this guy to play with me any day. How hard he hustles and how talented Nolan Arenado is and how sweet Trevor Story is. It's actually a pretty uplifting broadcast, unless maybe Yankees, Red Sox in his heyday. But I think for the most part, these players, 
Basketball is the complete opposite. The, the 80s, 90s guys despise these guys. <laughs> I think it would be impossible in the NBA. It would not be possible for them even to suck up their pride and do it. It would be very, very difficult. In baseball, I don't think it's going to change that much. Do you? Like just well, if it, you're it, saying if it was what we initially thought it was, whereas like the visiting, broad, yeah, yeah, where yeah, one like you, broadcast like, it, team it, does It'd be teams. easy for you know Oral Hershiser to talk about like uh, Nolan Arenado. You know, so, it's not that difficult. Yeah, I also think what you get in baseball. There's so many players. There's so many games. I think baseball broadcasters tend to appreciate the players on the other team. Not more than another sport, but as much as, like I think one thing that happens, uh, one thing that happens in football and basketball is so emotional, like just the, the the nature of the game is so emotional. You just start like, yeah, jam it on that guy's face, or yeah, you blocked his shot, right? That that gets that's such a big part of it's like individual battle domination. Baseball, it happens if you're striking a guy out over and over, or you hit a home run off a guy. But by and large, even those are not that emotional, right? Unless it's a game-winning homer or something. Guys just jog around the bases, and that's that. There's a couple high fives. It's not the guy, the bench guys aren't jumping all over, clowning guys on the other team, right? You think about football, there's so much trash talk back and forth. Basketball, you take a three in front of the other bench, they're yelling in your ear. Baseball, there's not a lot of that once you get to the pro level, right? In college, it's a lot of, hey, better, 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 better. But that's, that's not how major – that's not how baseball is. So I think baseball guys just – they love talking to the other broadcasters. They love talking to the other players. They hang around the cage. They know coaches on both teams. Just the nature of it, you just – the sport's so long, you can't spend every night trying to murder the other team. You just have to appreciate the other pitcher's cutter. It's a sport where you if – if your team's hitting, you guys are getting – you guys are getting beat more than they're succeeding. It's the percentages. And, like, if you strike out, you strike out. Where in basketball – if you despise the way Russell Westbrook like shoots threes, by his third three-point attempt when he's missed his last 15 threes, you're like, what is this guy doing, right? And the flopping, the basketball resentment is real. I, I never really sense, I think you hit it on the head, there's just not really resentment. Right in basketball, they're legitimately. I mean, there's some like right? the Dodgers, Giants, right? Like when there's there's some. No, no, I, I, I'm talking. I'm talking about old school players. Oh, right, right, yeah, sorry. To the other player, like if you ask, if you went to Oral Hershiser right now and you said, "What do you think of Max Scherzer?" He's like, he's like, these guys throw harder than we ever did. God, this guy's a badass. Like yeah. I, this guy would have kicked ass against Babe Ruth to now. In basketball, it's like, yeah, James Harden, he stinks, right? Steph Curry over. Yeah, like players, they, they, they say that, and they're not, they're not doing hot takes. Like, they believe that. They don't think those guys are as good as them. I do and think football analysts also really respect players. Because it's a physical nature. Baseball, baseball guys there's a hate, failure nature. The, the old baseball guys, their issues are with, like, shifts and yeah, launch angles. Yeah, stuff that has nothing to do with baseball players has to do with the executives running the sport. Basketball is legitimately – thinking these guys are way softer than they used to be. Just that simple. It's not, you know, the threes, it just the, the whole thing, the flopping. And uh, I, I would pay to watch that, the neutral basketball. That, that'd be a fun season-long because watch. Because you couldn't the, – the, whoever is broadcasting against the Rockets, every, when James Harden shoots 22 free throws, how could they stay neutral? Well, they, they wouldn't be able – to me, and maybe when I think about it, it's he would lead the league in people snapping on air, right? Because I'd say he – would you say he's one of the more resented players? Who's clearly great, right? He's a dominant yes. player that I ever remember in my life watching yeah. play sports. Yep. Like, if you just polled most people's sports fans, 
James Harden. I, I feel like most people are like, yeah, it's, I can't stand watching him. Right. right. Him and Ru- I mean him and Westbrook. But Not even Westbrook, like just like love hate rooting against yeah. him when your team is playing him. Very very polarizing player for sure. So, uh, yeah. Now that said, I do know there are baseball broadcasts out there that I think I've mentioned it where they like don't want their broadcasters talking about the other team. It's so small minded, but like don't over talk about our guys. It's like, yeah, you you guys have forty five wins. Like, let's promote the next team that's coming in. You've been a part of like national broadcasts. Do they do the opposite? Like, make sure you talk about both, or is it just kind of known? No, they just do whatever the storylines are. So if you've got Yankee, if it's like, well, we got Yankees Angels tonight on this Friday night Fox game, and uh, I haven't been a part of one of these, but I'm pretty confident this is how it will go, based on all my experience. If the if you're only doing that game because like the Angels are in fourth place, there's not really any other great games tonight, so we're showing the Yankees. It'll be a lot of Yankees. They're not going to – I mean, they might work in whatever Angels storyline there is, but they'll just talk about whatever the storylines are, you know? Like, when you watch a Sunday NFL game and sometimes you're like, oh, this is one of those weird weeks where there's not a all they, all they all they care about is a good broadcast, yeah. not the team. They're not going to make up some, like, oh, we only got time for ten stories. Let's make sure five of these are Angels stories, five of them are Yankees stories. No, nobody – no real broadcast thinks like that. It's got to be exhausting to do these independent team wise. Because there's, like I, I think a lot of like producers and stuff have a really a journalistic understanding of we just have to order from biggest story to smallest story. That's what we're going to try and do here. Yeah. Now maybe there's a big story that people don't know is a big story, but it's a story worth telling, right? The guy who's on the mound, his mom is battling cancer. Okay, that cool. But you're not just trying to be fifty fifty. That's not any way to do stuff. I agree. So. Anyway, but that's not the issue, but it did make for a funny hypothetical. Yeah, it would have been funny. It would have been really funny. <laughs> but you're right. Some guys would have, like, I think that's where broadcast would have really stood out. It's like the Giants would have thrived. They're happy talking about other guys. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people with good, with good analysts. Now, I guess part of it is the play-by-play does drive the conversation a little bit. Uh, but it does feel a lot of people like, you know, Mike Kruko, Oral Hershiser, like a lot of those players, it feels like are spread out throughout baseball. I think, and yeah, and I, they would be fine doing it. Like it's easy for them. To me, the best sports broadcast of any kind, and I really try to be cognizant of this, they, they understand the full big picture. So when you watch a baseball team, um, and, you know, again, it's Giants-Dodgers. If the Nats are a story that night because of something that happened in their game, they talk about the Nats too, right? They talk about the Nationals hit back-to-back-to-back home runs in the seventh inning. Like, those, to me, are the best broadcasts, the ones that talk about, kind of promote the biggest things going on in the sport, even if it's not happening right there in front of you and are able to weave it all together. That's It's an entertainment product. I, I want to be just yeah, making yeah. things feel big. It's an entertainment product, and promoting everything you have – Promoting Bryce Harper, right? Talking about Bryce Harper, even if the Phillies aren't playing your team tonight, is good for you. Because then Bryce is going to come play your team one day. You want people to come buy tickets. So Exactly. Anyway, a lot of takes from us. A lot of takes. <laughs> On that note. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1, buyraycon.com slash HAM. Let's have see if, weekend. and we'll see Middlecoff. I finished in the money last week in our DraftKings game. See if I can do I'm it again. I'm intro- Justin, Justin Thomas, w- when you do DraftKings – football or golf and you spend a lot of money on one individual and that player does not come through it's 
It hurts, guy. Really? It's, it, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, you draft Mahomes, you're expecting four touchdowns. Yeah. I, I draft Justin Thomas, I'm expecting a top 10 finish. That was me with Shoffley last week, but actually he's playing better this week. And then you, and you're like, why did you pick Justin Thomas? Well, because I replaced him with instead of Rory. And then you look up, and Rory's got 15 birdies yeah, through seven tough. holes. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> that's tough. It is. All right. On that note, Godspeed. Later. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.